once again to the Perimeter Church podcast. Isaiah prophesied the coming of the Prince of Peace, and the angels sang about peace on earth. The peace we long for has come. Lead teacher Jeff Norris continues the series Good News of Great Joy with this Christmas Eve sermon entitled The Peace of the Messiah, which covers Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. For more information and to watch or hear other sermons, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be our peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alice. You can be seated. You have determined today that uh, one of my new goals in life is to be half, to learn to do something half as well as Jay Henson plays the piano. Um, you guys, he saved his best for last. You guys really, really were fortunate. He played Mary Had a Little Lamb in the first three services. Um, so, hey, I told you you came to the right one. Uh, no, just incredible. You know, there's a great joy and delight in watching someone use their God-given gifts to the delight of the Lord. And um, just incredible to watch someone with that kind of talent and to worship uh, through that gift, the one who gave him the gift. So uh, now I expect the same type of applause when I finish this sermon, okay? Um, no. Here's what I want us to talk about just for a few minutes tonight and uh, dwell on. What Alice read for us is a beautiful passage out of an ancient book called, that we call Micah in the Bible, because it was written by the prophet Micah, and it was written roughly 700 years before Jesus was born. Micah was a prophet. Prophet just simply means, you can think of it as a mouthpiece of God, the one that God uses as his vessel to speak to the people of God, the words of God to the people of God. And so there are many prophets, a lot of, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, or at least you're maybe somewhat familiar, and you know there's all these books. There's Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Nahum and Malachi and Micah and all these, all these names of books of people who wrote things down, often things of judgment towards the people of God because of their disobedience and sin. These were all prophets, and some are called major prophets and some are called minor prophets. That just simply means based on how much they wrote. Micah was one who, he had a prophecy, his prophecy was mostly judgment to the, to the people of God because of their apostasy. But in the midst of him saying, look, because of your disobedience, here's things that are going to happen. He has this little soliloquy almost, this little, this little piece here in the middle that's just so beautiful of one who is coming that you can look forward to that you can wait with eager anticipation, and here's what, what's going to be true of him when he comes. 
And though we don't have enough time to talk through everything that we just heard read for us, we're going to focus in on that last sentence. And he shall be their peace. One of the markers that Micah gave the people of God to be looking for is that when he comes, and they didn't know if it would be 700 years or seven years, but when he comes, he'll be the very essence of peace. He will be for them peace. You know, this is significant because we long for peace, do we not? There was a survey done in 2016 It was posted on Forbes.com and a few other websites, and it was done by a woman who did a pretty, just uh, pretty small survey, nothing overly official, but she asked her her, uh, social media followers a simple question and asked them to respond, and the question was, if you could say in one word what you want more in life, what would it be? What would that be, that one word? Almost 800 people responded, and this was, this, this was their responses, the top eight responses. Happiness, money, freedom, peace, joy, balance, fulfillment, confidence. I think we would all resonate with, with each of those. And I find it interesting that seven of the eight are, are not things that we can externally grab or touch Money was the one that we can put our hands on, literally. The, the other seven are things that are within us, things that we desire and long for. And in a, an ironic way, the more that we try to grasp them and find them, it seems as though the more elusive they can become. The, the author of this article in this survey, she said this when speaking of peace. She said, we long for peace desperately. Peace from noise, chatter, pressure, responsibilities. We also want peace from the pain and thumping inside of our own heads, the conflicts and strain we inflict on ourselves every minute to be better, stronger, smarter, prettier, thinner, better parent. You fill in the blank. As I mentioned, this was this little survey, this informal survey was conducted in 2016. I wonder if she did it again now if the results would be similar, and, but maybe perhaps in a little bit different order. I wonder if peace that came in at number four on the most common response back then, I wonder if it would be one now. I wonder if it would be in that first slot. And, and, and I just wonder that based on what we've walked through, especially in these last almost three years. You know, we're coming up on March of 2020, coming up 23, 2023 years since our world's tra- changed drastically. And all that that surfaced within us with the pandemic and all that came with it in terms of political uh, mess that we've walked through and social unrest and all the various things that we've journeyed through together over the last almost three years, it surfaced within us things that were probably there to some extent before, but just not as open. But now that are so very open, we see it now. We see how frazzled we are. We see how, how fearful we can be. We, we see how worried we can get. And we see how anxious we are. Perhaps, maybe more than ever, we're longing for peace. But would we know it even if we found it? What, what is peace? If I were to come up to you and ask you, what is peace? How would you answer that question? I think most of us would give uh, not a wrong answer, 
And that answer would be the absence of conflict. I think that's a great answer, and it's part of what peace is. And that's where we usually stop in our definition of it. The absence of conflict, the absence of war, of, of chaos. But that's not where the Bible stops in its definition. It's interesting, when, when you look at the Old Testament, which Micah is in the Old Testament, it was written, that whole, the whole Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew. New Testament was written in Greek, and in both of those, Hebrew and Greek, there's often words that we have trouble translating into English, because really what they require is they require a number of words to adequately define the original word in the original language, because it's a word that for those original people in that language, those many centuries ago, it it was a robust, thick, meaningful, rich word. Well, the word that we most often translate as peace in our Old Testament Bibles is the Hebrew word shalom. You've probably heard that before. And shalom is one of those rich, deep, meaningful, thick, robust words. And we translate it peace, and that's not a bad translation, but there's there's more in what we commonly understand as peace. Again, we, we commonly understand peace as the absence of conflict. But when the Bible talks about peace, shalom, it's meaning, yes, the absence of conflict, but what else? The presence of what? The presence of completedness, of wholeness, fullness. This, these words that sometimes are translated welfare in our Bible, meaning that, that everything about us is well. Soundness, harmony. This is what's, what's all encompassed in that word, shalom, that we translate peace. So if you go back to Micah 5, where he, he finishes that thought there with, and he shall be our peace, our shalom. That's the word, shalom. It takes on a whole new meaning. It means that there's one who was coming and has now come who is peace. He is shalom. He is fullness. He is wholeness. He is harmony and welfare, fulfillment, all those things that we so deeply long for. And and it feels that it's too good to be true. Can there really be someone that can be that for me? Our skeptical hearts ask that question. We're cynics inside. Micah, with a very resounding yes, shouts, oh yeah, there's one coming. Now, he didn't know what his name would be, but we do. We now know that this one who had been promised, this long-expected Jesus. We, we have to understand that what Micah is telling us, fundamentally, what Micah is telling us is this, that this Messiah, this Savior, this Jesus... He is peace, which means, don't miss this, it means that peace is not an experience. Peace is not a circumstance. Peace is not a situation. Peace is not a feeling. 
Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. He shall be their peace. He, he brings peace and he is peace in two ways, primarily. First, he establishes peace vertically with God. First and foremost, right? Most importantly, this Christ, this Messiah, this Jesus, he, he establishes peace vertically with God. Why is that so significant? Well, we have to go back to the very beginning of the Bible to really begin to wrap our minds around what this is saying. You, you're probably familiar enough with the scriptures to know that in Genesis 1 and 2, we have the creation account that God created for his glory. He created all these things, the heavens and the earth and the land and the sea and the birds and the fish and the beasts of the field and all these things. But the pinnacle of his creation, the only part of his creation that he made in the image of himself the image of God was man and woman. We are the pinnacle of his creation. And as those who bear his image, we all, more than all of his creation, we were given this incredible ability to be in communion with God. Another way to say that is to be at peace with God, to be in perfect unity with God, perfect fellowship with God, this love relationship with God that was in every way unhindered. You know, the word that we use here at Perimeter to try to encompass what is the Bible getting at when it says shalom, that we translate peace. The word that we like to use, just because I think it's a little thicker, is flourishing. Flourishing. That's what we had in the beginning. We flourished as those made in the image of God, and we flourished with God. In every way, we were humanly flourishing. And then, as Genesis 3 records for us, Adam and Eve chose a different route and a different story and a different glory. They were deceived by the serpent to believe that there was something better out there, that there was a, think of it this way, that there was another way to flourish other than the way that God had designed that God created us for himself to flourish with him and to be at peace with him. But in that moment, we believe the lie. And I say we because we inherited the same nature as Adam and Eve. Every human that has been born since sin came to the world through them is born with the same nature. And that nature is to be in opposition to God, to not be at peace with God. And to seek, to seek flourishing in all these other ways apart from him. So this is what we spend our lives doing. We feel this, right? You, you feel this deep inside of us. That left unto myself, I don't have anything to do with God, and I think there is actual human flourishing out there in some other situation, some other circumstance, some other feeling, some other thing. So we're at odds with God by our very nature. And so the good news of great joy, the good news of great joy, this is the, what the angels said when they came to pronounce to the shepherds. They said, we, we come with good news of great joy for all people. And what was it? You remember what they began to sing? To, to sing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace. 
The good news of great joy is that, that, that there is now peace with God through this one who is our peace. The savior of the world, the only way to move back into the reality of flourishing, of shalom with God, is through the very one, the prince of peace, Jesus. Faith in him, who through his life and his death, his perfect life, his death and his resurrection, did something profound. He reversed the curse of Genesis 3. He dealt with the penalty of sin, which is death itself. He dealt with the power of sin, that for those who are in Christ no longer are under the dominion and the tyranny and the power of sin. And he will return again, he promises this, he will return again to deal once and for all with the presence of sin. He is our peace. Peace is not a feeling, peace is not a circumstance, peace is not a situation, peace is a person. But secondly, he establishes peace horizontally with each other. When Christ indwells us through faith in him and his spirit begins to live and reside and move and breathe through us, he brings peace with one another. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility. Paul's talking to Jews and Gentiles here. They hated each other. And, and he's reminding them that now through the very one who is our peace, the two who were enemies, Jew and Gentile, are now one under the banner of the blood of Jesus. One of the great marks of the church is that of those who have experienced peace with God and now therefore through that are experiencing peace with one another. It's a work of God that can only be done by him to bring about reconciliation where, where enemies are now friends. The walls of hostility have dropped. That's part of the light that shines through us is that we are a people of peace a people of shalom, a people of reconciliation, a people of flourishing, vertically and horizontally. Isaiah was another prophet, a contemporary of Micah. They prophesied at the same time as you read through your Bible. There were hundreds of years of prophecy, but these two guys actually prophesied at the same time. And Isaiah has probably the most famous prophecy about this Christ who would come 700 years before he actually came. We read it earlier in a beautiful way in which they, Davidson and Alice sang it, but it says this, he is the prince of peace. I'm sorry, for, sorry, go back. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We could do a four-part series on each of those names of the Messiah. But he is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings shalom. And he doesn't just bring it. He is it. 
Jesus on the night before he went to the cross. He was with his disciples in the upper room and he was teaching them and praying with them. And one of the things he said to them was this. In John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love how Jesus says that. He says, peace I leave with you. But then he distinguishes. It's not the peace that the world's going to try to give you. It's different. And it can only be found in me. You know, the message of Christmas is really simple, summarized in 1 Timothy 1.15. And it's this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the message. Why did he come? He came to save sinners. Save us from the penalty and the power and the presence of sin, but save us for something too. And what is the, what's the for? To save us for flourishing. But I want to be clear about something. Doesn't mean, I can't, I'm, I'm going to keep stressing this. It doesn't mean that it's flourishing in our circumstances. It could. Or in the various situations of life, it could. Or in the relationships of life, maybe, yeah. And it may not mean that we feel a certain way. Because many of us have walked through incredibly hard stuff this year. We've, we've lost children. Friends have died. Sons and daughters have died. Siblings have died. Moms and fathers have died. Horrible health diagnoses have come. Broken relationships have happened. Divorce has happened. Many of us have walked through just horrible, painful realities. And if we look to those things to be the source of our peace, then we will be a strung out mess. But if in the midst of all that, certainly we pray that God would work in all those things and change those things. But in the midst of all of it, what do we get to anchor in? What do we get to stand on as the bedrock of our faith? It's not that those things are my peace. It's that he is my peace. He reigns sovereignly over all of it. And he promises that one day he will come and make all things new and all sad things come untrue. And that he is, not will be, not has been, but is the Prince of Peace right now in every situation, in every circumstance, in every feeling. Why? Because peace is a person. And his name is Jesus. Do you know him? Have you been looking for flourishing and peace and shalom in all these various places, but not Jesus? Or perhaps you know Jesus. You know that he's the Prince of Peace. But you've allowed yourself to fall back into your old way of thinking, which is to say that there must be peace somewhere else. And the good news of great joy that the angels proclaim then and they proclaim it now is that peace on earth is found only in Jesus. Father, would you help us believe? Would you give us eyes of faith to see? Remove, remove the veil of darkness over our eyes that we may see the, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, Lord, we confess it feels 
unrealistic to think that in the midst of so much struggle and pain and longing and desire and fear and anxiety and all the things, Lord, that there can be peace. So fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you and we trust that you're meeting some of us right now in that very request. You're turning eyes of the heart to see the peace, the goodness, the joy of Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Sermon Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and to find other sermons from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.